BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to the Cynical Podcast, a weekly discussion of current affairs in China produced in partnership with SubChina. SubChina produces a marvelously useful free email newsletter that lets you stay on top of the essential news from China in just a few minutes a day. Or you can download SubChina's new and improved smartphone app or visit our website at subchina.com. It's a feast of business, political, and cultural news about a nation that is reshaping the world. While you're there, check out our new business news podcast, the Caixin Seneca Business Brief, for a weekly roundup of top stories from Caixin, China's authoritative source for business and financial news. Hosted uh, by Kaiser Guo, I yeah, should yeah, say. Yeah, I should. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and that guy, of course, was Jeremy Goldcorn, editor-in-chief of SubChina, who pundits have called the mischief makers mischief maker. <laughs> Greet the people are, Jeremy. <laughs> Hello, people. How y'all doing? <laughs> yeah, and I, of course, am Kaiser Guo. I am coming to you. We are coming to you from Georgetown University in our nation's capital, Beijing. Uh, and um, the other day, actually, I was at the uh, Brown China Summit in Providence. I had the great pleasure of sharing a panel uh, about media in China, China with uh, with Jane Jiajie, Tang, Tang Jiajie, who is the White House correspondent for Xinlang, Sina.com.cn. Uh, what she had to say was so interesting that immediately I thought, you know, we have to have her on our show. And here she is. Jiajie, great to see you again. And welcome to Sina, Sinica. <laughs> Can't say the name right now. Hi, thanks for having me. And this is Jane. Hi, everyone. This is this is something we've wanted to, to know for a long time, right? How does Chinese media cover the damn White House? Right? Yeah, and now we have the opportunity to ask. But before we get into your your current job, I'm curious: how does a Taiwanese person end up working from mainland media organization? Organization? Maybe you could tell us a bit about your background and how you got into this job. Yeah, people always say like I work for enemies, right? Uh, <laughs> working for the enemy. Yeah. Um, um, so I was, I, I grew up in Taiwan, Taichung actually, and I went to, um, Taiwan University. And at that time, it was, um, Ma Ying-jeou was the president. And, uh, you know, he was promoting the cross-strait relations. So there's a lot of exchange program between, um, students. And I got the opportunity to intern in, um, one of China, Chinese magazine called Taijin at that time. Right. Under Hu Shu Li. Um, and then there was the time when she Li, she left Taijing to uh, start her own uh, company, Taishin, and then I left with her. And, Along uh, with everybody else on the editorial staff. That's much, true. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, you know, I that's the first time I was majoring in accounting and sociology when I was in school. I didn't really know. Accounting and sociology. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that's kind of multiple personality disorder what? right there. I agree. I agree. <laughs> like, you need to dress differently when you go to the different department <laughs> almost um then i just found the newsroom fascinating like and the the journalists i work with there like make me you know just excited and then the way they cover chinese news and then they they ask me if i want to be the correspondent for them in taiwan so i started in beijing and then i went to taiwan and in 2012 somehow they sent me here to new york to cover the election for um, Obama's second Obama, term, yeah, yeah re-election. Yeah. 
And then I end up here um, two years ago. Sina kind of lured me in to work for them in D.C. So yeah. you were actually covering the White House for Caixin before you went to... Oh. Yes, but not that much because Caixin is more you know economic or finance right, focused. Right. So I cover more about World Bank, IMF, or IPO of Chinese market. Oh, okay, so you didn't actually have a White House uh, accreditation for... I mean, because now you, your, your beat is, is the, the Oval Office, right? You have to sit in on all the Sean Spicer press conferences and stuff like that. Yeah, oh, yeah, fun, yeah. Fun, 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 fun. yeah. So does, have you ever been to a press conference in Beijing? No, never. Oh, okay. So I, I oh, was going to ask you, does Sean Spicer <laughs> remind you in any way of a foreign Chinese foreign ministry uh, spokesperson? In the beginning of Sean Spicer's briefing, a lot of people talk about that, like how similar it is. Like reporters are not uh, allowed to ask questions and they are being like shouted at, you know. Like, but I don't know. I've never been to the uh, press conference in, that's in really China. That's really bad that you don't have. So, but, no, but what is it like in the White House briefing room? I mean, you, you, you've, have you gotten to uh, – so you, how many how – many no, it's a hundred days in. Today is actually a hundred. As we're recording, it's the hundredth right. day of the Trump. Ninety nine today, isn't it? It's today, I think today is one hundred. I think today is one hundred. Oh, today is one hundred. We'll cue ominous music now. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jane, uh, Jazzy, tell, tell us about. Uh, uh, so, you you have been in the White House on on many 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 occasions now. Yeah, um, yeah. So you know when uh, during Obama, I will start from during Obama administration. I actually go to the White House sometimes, but not that often because you know there's news everywhere. Um, there's think tank, there's Congress, there's State Department has briefing every day. So if I need anything, I can easily just go to another event or talk to expert. But after Trump took office, you know there's this anxiety and uncertainty in D.C. that people really doesn't know what's going on. Mm. And, um, you know, there's hearing going on. There's protests going on every week, every day. So I was talking to my editor, where can we get news? What is newsworthy? Then that was the White House briefing room. There's where the news came from, you know. So in the first month, I went to the briefing every single day. And for foreign reporters, it's compared to Obama, it was actually harder because we need to submit our information 48 hours before um, the briefing and um, we need to for every briefing every briefing oh my god (laughs) it was I, i always describe this experience like crossing the border of Trump's America, you know, because there was a fence at that time in front of White House. So we need to pass the security check. And then for foreign reporter, we need escort. So you need to wait maybe another hour for the White House staff to come out. And at that time, they have no clue what to do. And sometimes you need to call them again and again and again and wait for them to escort you to the briefing room. And in the briefing room, that's another dynamic. There are American reporter. Big news outlet reporter, smaller outlet reporter, conservative outlet reporter, and foreign reporter, where we can only, you know, stand at the aisle and try to like squeeze in and raise your hand, and hopefully Trump Spicer will see. <laughs> you said it was like Zhuan Zhuan. Yes, if you are familiar with that Hou Gong Zhuan Zhuan, you know, there was that night when the emperor will like xian pai zi, right? Right. Which yep. empress is he's going to stay with that night? And <laughs> I always feel like that, like everyone was trying to team up or being friendly or being rude and it's just a weird dynamic there like everyone hoping that you you you'll will get be the concubine the, that will, yes. the emperor will call and on and while mm. they kind of 
doesn't really love the speaker, but you need to try to please him. You know that <laughs> weird kind of thing. And also, Sean has changed the whole、um, rule in the briefing room. Usually, you know, during Obama's term, they will call from the big outlet like CNN. Okay, CNN, AP, and but now he just start from calling randomly calling reporter conservative. News outlet got most question of most of the time. Yeah, so、um, I guess what our listeners are probably most interested in is、uh, what are your readers curious to hear about? I mean, because you you're you're reporting, you're probably are you the only mainland Chinese news outlet who's regularly in the briefing room, or are there others in there? No,、well? there is actually、um, you know、um, Shanghai Media has one reporter,、uh-huh. um, and CCTV sometimes they send reporter there、okay. only when big issues happen. What about what about like the the China Day? Or any of these, no, they they don't, they don't really go there that often. Or Xinhua, Xinhua sometimes, okay, only okay. sometimes, not by daily basis. Interesting, interesting. But、um, for that, that's a good question. What Chinese reader really, really are interested in? I think that's the reason why more and more Chinese media are are having are sending correspondent here to America because, first of all, there's demand of international news. From China about like people want to know what's happening in the world and what it it's going to have the impact in China, and second of all is like、um, the international news in Beijing used to be only from Western narrative, you know, like translated from CNN, Bloomberg, and that's not what maybe not what Chinese reader are really interested about. So let me just give you examples.、Yeah. For example, like two days ago,、uh, all the American media are just talking about the tax reform、right. that Trump is、uh, implement. But Chinese reader doesn't really care about that. No, no, But at that time, they might care more about the NAFTA.、Uh, Trump right, is withdrawing、right. from NAFTA, and what is it going to happen with the trade system? With the、um, maybe next trade war is with China, or why did Trump pick? Canada and Mexico as his first enemies. Easier to pick on <laughs> <laughs> and its neighbor. <laughs> That's what bullies yeah. do. <laughs> yeah, pick on Canadians. Plus,、right. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's insanely jealous. You know, I mean, because Trudeau is such a handsome guy. I mean, yeah, yeah. I was there、hands. when when Trudeau was visiting, um, um, and they had a press briefing together. It was weird because I was there when Trudeau was visiting the first time with Obama, and you can just see how the re- interaction between these two presidents with Trudeau. Is different, right? It must have been very warm and genial. Yeah, and, a lot of hugging and a lot of joke about sports. Well, with with Trump, you can almost feel like they're like totally different people. Yeah, I would imagine they don't have much language in common. So,、um, aside from what Chinese readers are actually interested in, what about censors? Because obviously, you know, Sina, like any Chinese website or news organization, has to obey the rules of of the the Beijing Emperor.、Um, uh, what gets chopped from your writing about、uh, the, the United States and Trump in particular? Yeah, yeah, that's the question I get a lot about. Like, what can't you write?、Um, so you know, I actually grew up, you know, from my great, I I grew up in Taiwan, and I grew up in this. I don't really have this idea of government censor what you can write, what you cannot write. So I am very sensitive to this. I feel like whenever. People will point at me and say, "You can't do it. You can't write about it." I'm like, "Why?"、Um, so I think I'm fortunate a lot enough that I work 
the both Chinese media I've worked in, Taishin and Xinlang, my editor, are very relatively liberal, and they didn't really control what I can or cannot write. They just let me do what I want to do. But, you know, there's always the last part. They can decide whether to publish or not. And of course, there are issues I know that you really shouldn't touch on for Tiananmen Square or Taiwan Independence. But most of time, I just write whatever I think the Chinese reader will be interested in. Right. Well, I mean, the whole censorship aspect of it enters in, though, especially when covering this presidency, because they are really, really being careful about controlling the whole narrative on Trump and especially on anything touching on U.S.-China relations. Uh, I mean, relative I – mean, is that's, that's the impression that we get, of course. Is is that something that you feel – because you've been writing about – you covered the other presidency before. You've covered a lot of other topics. Is the, uh, the sort of hand of censorship much heavier now with, with the, the whole Trump presidency? That That's a very interesting question. I I kind of feel like the – so the for the – I've been covering the campaign trail since 2015 when Hillary announced her, 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 she's, her yeah. yeah. And, um, you can feel, almost feel Chinese government is allowing people to talk about Trump, to see what Trump is creating this as a shit show in America <laughs> and also using it as a propaganda of, how democracy might not work, how, you know, you see these Chinese state-run media compare him as Mussolini or even Hitler, or, and you can tell that there's a lot of, I always see Weibo is a, it's one thing that you can see on Weibo that what Chinese people are talking about. Uh -huh. And you can also see what Chinese government are allowing people to talk about. Exactly. Yeah. And when they're making a lot of video and shows about Trump, I just very skeptical. I just feel like, oh, so Chinese government are allowing them to do this. They are creating this image because of... Because he was making democracy look bad. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. However, you know, like recently after Trump took office, I, I think it's come down a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, I think they realized, first of all, I think they didn't even expect Trump would be elected. Yeah, no one did. <laughs> so when I was in Beijing... Trump in, didn't expect Trump was going to be elected. I don't think so either. When I was in Beijing in December, there's also an anxiety of what is going on in BC, what is going on with Trump, and even from the school, from the, uh, from the government, from the government, so now I think they're more carefully controlling what Trump's message might distort U.S.-China relation or um, this atmosphere between the two countries. Right, right. That's why they're so careful to control the narrative. Yeah, I, I certainly in the state media, in the central state media, you see a very, very restrained tone uh, I agree. about Trump. Even when the talk, remember the talk between um, Trump and uh, Tsai Ing-wen in Taiwan? Mm. And instead of criticizing Trump, they criticize this is Tsai Ing-wen, this is Taiwan's xiao dongzuo. Right, right. Yeah. That was what Wang Yi said right away. Right? Yeah. Right. yeah. Very interesting. Let, let's talk about, I mean, I, I remember in your in your very fascinating talk at Brown, you said that your day has to start at 5 a.m. Why is that? <laughs> Probably 6, 5 something. Because, you know, I, I, I think that's what all the journalists do now. They set Trump's tweet as alert. As every, an alarm clock. Alarm. <laughs> Every time, you know, Twitter has this, this, this function that you can just have got the notification when someone tweet. 
And so my morning start was Trump's tweet for sure, and like anything, he tweets less recently. Yeah, yeah, not that much. Yeah, I've noticed. But that. in the that's beginning, really, that's kind of too bad. I mean, it was such a it was so funny to watch. Sad. <laughs> yeah. Capital. Sad. Capital S A D. Yeah. Very sad. <laughs> it is too bad. But so, what's what's the rest of your typical day like? I mean, when do you actually get over to the White House? I mean, because the, the briefings aren't until the afternoon typically, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, my day started around five or six when Trump <laughs> tweeted, and then you know I start to browse the, the the Twitter, the internet, the news, and then you know I will write down this um, question that I might want to ask, and then around ten, you know, briefing doesn't start around two or three or one or two in the afternoon, but I will leave my place at ten, and I will practice uh, those questions on my way there. Hi, Sean. Jane from Sign News. This is my question, you know. And then um, the first part is I need to pass the fence right, um, right. outside. Entry the, Trump's America, right? Yes, <laughs> and that's another entry Trump's America again. And um, you know this whole process until one or two after Sean Spicer um, has this briefing. But you, you, you get in there like in the morning, and then you get to hang out with the other journalists. A lot of the other journalists are there, right? Yes, that is that actually, must be really interesting. That is very, very interesting. Because I mean, so I'm sure a lot of the other journalists will be interested in what a Chinese journalist, how a Chinese journalist sees all of this. I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. I found more and more um, American um, journalists are more interested in us now. Like, right, how do you right, think? Right, yeah. How did China see us? How do your audience see? Yeah. So, what kinds of questions are you getting, and what do you what do you what are you saying in response? I mean, I'm, I guess we're asking you that very same question. How do the Chinese see us? How do you what do you think of all of this? Right. Um, you know, at the beginning, I think Trump is very very popular among if you see on Weibo or on sign up platform how people come in and talk about him. He's actually very very popular, and I think the 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 core issue is he's very just very fun to watch. For for Chinese audience, they are not uh, involving in this whole. It will affect my life. They're just watching the show, and so he's popular like a reality TV is exactly show exactly is popular, right, right, right. exactly. And you know he's very well known for his show Apprentice, and you know all his real estate in 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 New York City, and of course his beautiful daughter Ivanka Trump, and. Uh, and she fit into this category of white, rich, beautiful. Oh, bai Fu Mei. Bai Fu Mei. Very Bai, very Fu. Yeah, yeah. Very Mei, yeah. And her daughters speak Chinese. Right, How amazing right, right, is that? Right, yeah. yeah. Um, but aside from this, I mean, because the, the, that kind of interest is is a very shallow, really. I mean, we're looking at what you earlier called a shit show. I mean, it's it's a, it's a comedy, it's a farce where, uh, that is very entertaining if it's not your own future involved. But is is there? Are you seeing an interest in, um, you know, a real discussion of of you know, for example, what does it mean for a democracy that this class can get a, a elected. Um, it, it, do you see your readers interested uh, in how this impacts democracy? Or? Yeah, sort of taking a more uh, not philosophical approach, but a, a thoughtful approach to what Trump means for America and for the world, or is it just you know the watching shit this shit show, <laughs> the dumpster fire? Of course, yeah. There, there is the interest. You know, 
on Twitter, people like to laugh at stuff and shallow stuff. Sure. And of course, that that is sometimes worrisome to me because you're oversimplifying things. Like we're losing job, China's fault. You're we're closing factory, China's fault. It's like it's creating this bad dynamic between the two country. Um, and I do think people should know more about what. Trumpism means to the society, and why? That's why when I was doing my my reporting, I did a lot of you know a longer piece about to explain to Chinese people why are American angry? Where are these people? Why are the younger generation they that rather give up Hillary and let Trump win because they're just angry that and they were willing to support Bernie Sanders no matter what? You know, like, I'm still not forgiving those people. <laughs> <laughs> I remember one one interview was with this Bernie supporter. He's like, "What kind of campaign was that? That because we cannot, we need to uh, beat Trump, so we need to vote for Hillary." And he was so mad of how Bernie was being mistreated during this campaign. And I found a lot of Bernie supporters are like that. You you a guy I remember、uh, who actually had a Bernie tattoo.、Right? Yes, yes, that that was one of the that went <laughs> the, viral in China.、Right? Yeah. yeah.、Um, so that was during the DNC in Philadelphia. After I covered the Cleveland,、um, the RNC, I went. We went to Philadelphia and.、Uh, You know, all the Western media, our media are focusing on, oh, it's Hillary time, it's Obama time, and Obama supporting Hillary. And I remember there was a rainy night, and I hop on in the Uber pool, and two men was late and a little bit high, you can tell. And because <laughs> they're so, Bernie supporters, so typical <laughs>、yeah. with Bernie T-shirt, and I'm like, oh my god, so typical, and, and this hipster beard. <laughs> I'm like,、oh, okay. I'm like, nice shirt, man. And then he just rises his arm and like, how about this tattoo? And then he has this tattoo on his arm. Wow. And、uh, and guess what? He worked in Whole Food. Oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ! This guy is such a cliche. <laughs> I mean, millennial working Whole Food and big beard,、uh, smells of weed. Yeah. <laughs> Travel all the way out here <laughs> from Vermont or something. From from Oklahoma、uh, to Oklahoma, protest.、Okay. Uh, during the convention, so we end up doing.、Uh, I was like, okay, instead of you know covering Hillary's speech, why not we just follow in a day? What are these people doing here during the convention? And、uh, that's a big commitment, even having a tattoo on his arm. So they like the reality TV aspects of it, but they're、mm-hmm. also interested in the sort of. House of Cards aspect of it, aren't they? Also, I mean, kind of the, the palace intrigue. Palace intrigues.、Yeah. Yes, yes. House of Card. In the beginning of how we cover the election, we actually use a lot of House of Card reference <laughs> to explain to Chinese audience how it work and how it's like House of Card. But somehow it's become more and more dramatic than House of Card. <laughs> we don't even need that reference anymore. Right. So, I mean, are they interested in sort of who's up and who's down? The power struggles between, like, you know, Kushner and Cohn versus Bannon and like Peter Navarro. Yes, Peter Peter Navarro was、um, a more interesting character for Chinese reader because he's he's documentary、right. and his role of of um, um, monitoring the whole trade policy for Trump. Have you tried to get an interview with a guy like that? I mean, that would be interesting. I did an interview with Peter Navarro. Oh my god! Wow, yeah, wow. Well, when... what was that like? Tell tell us about that. <laughs> I mean, I'd love to hear about that. I I gotta I, find that interview too. And 
it's actually not published. No. So oh, oh, wow, wow. Yeah. But to, no, but tell us what he said. I mean, <laughs> can, can can we talk about that? Because I mean, that, that, that's can, an answer to the censorship question. Um, yeah, I think it's okay. Yeah, okay. okay, great. So. so I did an interview with Peter Navarro. Um, actually, back just right after Trump got nominated, uh-huh. and um, you know, some I I I know his name from some other reporter. That's before anyone know he was the real man behind uh-huh. all of this, and. Um, I, I remember I got his number and uh, in the beginning I always thought like what if it's a plank he's not really a guy because everyone was trying to say I'm Trump's guy I'm right, the one right. behind all of this and but during the interview I was talking to him about uh, raising the 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 import tax it, um, how real how how realistic, how realistic it yeah. is it and then the whole answer he was giving me was exactly like what Trump was talking. Wow. And then I was like, okay, he he's the one bef- behind this. The 47% across the board tariffs. Yes. And, and then he started talking about young lady, your country is a bully. Your country is bullying us, is taking job out of America. And I'm, like, I'm actually Taiwanese. <laughs> that is actually my response. Right, 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 right. And then, but you know, the funny part is after his answer and I, I remember looking at my producer and my cameraman and we're <laughs> like okay this is not going out like this this interview this is a really good interview but I don't think but it's not going to happen in China no just too no. Quick, too, too yes too nasty. and then yeah. he <clears throat> he touched on a lot about what happening in Hong Kong and his recent trip to Taiwan and um, how he think um, what China is doing in, to Hong Kong is a bad example for Taiwan and a lot of democracy thing. And that's right. the point I was like, okay, I'll just talk to him about random stuff because it's not going to go out. I just want to know how he is. And so I asked him about how he communicate with Trump, hmm. how... He he said he never really meet Trump before that. Wow! Like meet in person before um, July. So I was like, so what's the process of communicate? He's like email or phone. Wow! And that is kind of fascinating because I read another article saying Trump actually found Peter Navarro, um, his son in law, Kushner. From Kushner, yeah. By googling about China trade, oh, and this name came up. So Kushner I, knows how to use Google. Exactly. <laughs> but no, no, Kushner seems to be one of his. Kushner seems to be his foe now in the White House, though. Right, right. So, but you know, when when I when Trump announced Navarro to be his guy, and I tried to text him and call him again, but I didn't get any response. Oh yeah. God. Yeah. That's fascinating. Um, who, who are the, some of the other interviews that you've managed to do in the inner circle? Uh, Corey the, Lewinsky. Oh yeah, yeah Corey Lewinsky. That's, yeah, um, yeah. He. I also met him in the the RNC actually, okay. and um, he at that time he was already Lew- fired. What's his name? I'm sorry, Lewinsky. 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 That's right. Yeah, I was thinking Monica Lewinsky. So uh, not Lewinsky. <laughs> no, no, right, yeah. right, right. Corey Lewinsky. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, but um, I mean, the interview with him is not that. I feel like it's very shallow. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not that. I. It's the hard part for foreign reporter. I feel because you're not important enough for the campaign to take you seriously. Ah, uh, okay. You don't have really have vote, and um, that's 
what I was struggle when I was trying to reach out to Hillary campaign too. They just don't care because it's not gonna. Yeah, not they will ask me also, oh, "What's yeah. your readership? Hmm. How many readership do you have in America?" I totally get it. Hmm. Like at that time, every vote counts, and why do they want to care about foreign policy or foreign readers? Yeah, right? yeah. But that might be a little bit different after the campaign is over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about aside from the White House、um, and presidential politics? Do you get to cover other aspects of American life and political current life, events?、Yeah. Political life. Um, I cover a lot of rally now, protests now,、uh-huh. actually. <laughs> and、uh, that's got to be something that the Chinese audiences are interested in, yeah. So、yes, surprisingly,、um, you know, I I have a lot of discussion with my editor, like how to cover the rally, and、uh, for 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 American reporter or Western journalist, they might cover the rally about the the protest itself, Planned Parenthood, climate change,、um, Earth Day, but for Chinese reader, they might be more interested about how can people go on the street, how do they organize it, and.、Uh, What's the atmosphere like when people are protesting on the street? Is it going to change anything? And will police arrest them? And why can we see all all these kid and almost a family,、um, family friendly environment in this protest? So that is a very different angle I will cover when I'm covering. Yeah, that、rally. must really look very strange to to a Chinese audience.、Right. I mean, family protests, these, yeah, people like, bringing their kids, their you know, kids, their, their kids wearing pussy hats, and yeah. Doing it, right. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome, though. <laughs> America, man. Yeah, I mean, there's some very nice things about democracy. <laughs> I I always found it、uh, fascinating when looking, you know, like producing things and then posing on Weibo and then see how Chinese people look at it differently, like what I look. Because、yeah. I I already take it for granted. Like this is just what happened. You can go on the street. Everyone can have their voice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I guess I've been saving this this topic of discussion, but this is what I'm really, I, as you know, I mean, I wrote that big piece、uh, early on in November, right before the, before the election, about why about Chinese. Uh, Chinese Americans specifically、uh, supporting Trump, but let's ask about Chinese people. Your readership, why? You, you mentioned that there's a lot of support, and, and some of it is sort of because it's a shit show, because it's interesting, because it's funny.、Um, some of them, you know, want to sort of see democracy fall on its face, but there are other people in China who really do seem to to embrace his ideas. You know, who、uh, who, who are rebelling against political correctness or whatever.、Uh, what what do you, what do you think are the reasons why? So many Chinese seem to be so vocal in their support for Donald Trump.、Um, I think you're talking more about like Chinese American. No, no, no. I'm talking about Chinese. Chinese. Yeah.、Mm. Because you know、yeah. a lot of your readers are you know in China, and if you look on like on Zhuhu and sites like that, I mean it's just rabid. There are so many people who are so vocal、right. in their support for Trump. Right. I I think.、Um, First thing is they didn't really see Trump's, you know, racism or all this anti-immigrant rhetoric as a thing.、Um, that might be some reason that racism is not really a concept in China. You know, we grow up in a, in a. There might be difference from different area, but we all kind of look similar. So you don't have this concept. I was just talking to Kaiser about this commercial came up several years ago in China about a washer. You put a black you man. You put the black guy in the, in the washing machine and he、yeah, comes out. Why?、Yeah. He comes I, out Chinese. They're just like, why not? <laughs> <This> Korean pop stars. <laughs> <laughs> right.、Um, that's one thing, and the other is, I found、um, they they kind of believe that. 
you, why are we supporting this illegal immigrant? Whenever I talk to this Chinese supporter for Trump, they're like, they're lazy, they're lazy, um, they're wasting our social affair, and why are we, our government paying money to support them? So in that uh, point of view, they kind of echo with Trump's rhetoric. These, I mean, are, these are Americans, though. I mean, the, the, this obviously doesn't affect Chinese people sitting in, mm-hmm. in, in Beijing or Shanghai, right? Mm-hmm. So, but why would they get behind this? I mean, you, you, I think you put your finger on a big reason, which is just the sort of, hey, you know, finally I can let all my racism out and not be judged so harshly, right? Right, yeah. right. But, yeah, and the, the Trump racism, I think, is also the right kind of racism for China, uh, if you know what I mean. I right, mean, so the, the anti-Muslim rhetoric, I mean, th- that uh, right. seems to be, you know, a, a, an increasingly alarming feature of, of Chinese media and Chinese social media is, uh, you Chinese know, social media, for sure. Yeah. Islamophobia. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the official media is very, I mean, is very careful to, to, to try to tamp it down, but. Yeah, but but social media. media, Absolutely. Speaking of social media, social media must have really changed the whole way, not only that you report, but also the way that your news is received and the way that, you know, you do your job, right? Mm -hmm. You want to talk a little bit about, about that? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think, you know, I started my journalism career eight years ago from working in a, you know, relatively (laughs) traditional media as, uh, magazine article writer. Um, we do very traditional journalist stuff, interview people and go back and write about stuff. And, but, you know, at that time, um, Weibo is barely a thing and, uh, Facebook is a new concept in Asia. Um, but now in this five year, maybe like it's just changed dramatically. And it's also changed what a rural journalist is, I think. Um, for example, I found myself pay more attention to um, how to engage with my reader and how to interact with my reader and how what kind of information they're willing to know on social media. And also the way we present are also different now because it's not just like weekly magazine. They are looking for to see some back scene, um, behind the scene photo you post on, on social media. They want to see a more approachable, a more accessible, a friend-like um, journalism reader dynamic. Oh, right, 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 right. So yeah. I'm buddies with this journalist. She's taking behind the scenes at the at the White House, and right. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's like the whole now how the whole big blog thing is coming up, and people maybe trust the blogger more than they trust a, a, a Natural, magazine. Yeah, accredited yeah, journalist. yeah. Because they want to know it's a real people has a real opinion and in real life. Mm. I mean, in in your time so far in all these meetings, have you you put your hand up a lot? Did you have you been called on? Have you asked many questions yet so far? I got asked question the first press briefing. Oh, the very during, first press briefing. Yeah. Oh, wow. What did yeah. you get to ask? Well, I was asking about withdrawing from TPP. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And um, he gave a very, very vague answer. Was that before Trump had actually said whatever he said about it? Well, no, I mean, he had said it all along on the campaign trail. I mean, there was no question. That's the day right. he signed the executive order to uh, withdraw from TPP. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, the executive yeah, yeah. order. So, yeah. so it had already been signed when you exactly. asked the question. Yeah, okay. that's the day. And the answer was vague. And that's yes. the day historians will remember when the United States ceded leadership to China. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, many people are of that opinion. <laughs> um, so, what are the? Do you think is the most popular uh, story that you've you've done from the United States for for Cena? 
most popular one. Yeah, you probably have some kinds of like feedback on or a few traffic. You know, yeah, yeah, or yeah, just a few of the most popular. Um, I would say the the most popular one was when I first discovered this Chinese American for Trump group. Ah, from oh, the very yeah, beginning. Yeah. Um, What's that guy's name? Tian Tian. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so that was. During the primary, and、uh, you know, Trump is not a thing yet. And、uh, but I'm very interested in who's supporting him. And I'm like, maybe instead of writing people support him, I should write about Chinese people who support him. And so, you know, through some relative, they were like, okay, this WeChat group are some of people they are like secretly talk about it because at that time people are afraid of talking about they are Trump supporter. So I joined that group. And、uh, I kind of see how they form and put together. They have like this vision: we're going to have、um, L.A. chapter, Austin chapter. And at that time, I was almost like, "Okay, this is funny." But then you just kind of see、it、how it happened. Funny, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and、uh, in the end, this this guy who started this group are on Trump's AAPI advisor. Uh, team. Oh God! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, unbelievable. <laughs> with with、um, Zhao Xiaolan. Oh, he's also、God. on the team yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Elaine Zhao. Elaine Zhao. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well,、wow. but、uh, it's it's、uh, that guy's not even a citizen, right? Or he's he's a green card holder. He's a green card holder. But、yeah. but to back back to your question, I think、um, Chinese that why is that the most hit、um, article? Not only that is the the. The story that Chinese audience are interested in, it's also like translated to a lot of American news outlet about what is going on there. So well, I think for Chinese reader, they're interesting, also interesting in what Chinese people are doing here. Right, right, Jeremy. I mean, that accords with our our stats, right? I mean, I wrote that piece about why Chinese Americans are supporting. Still、Trump. one of the most popular、uh, things yeah, on our yeah, side. I mean,、right. still still gets yeah, hits every day. Yeah, I remember you talking about it. Yeah, it's crazy.、Yeah. It、uh, it is a subject of endless fascination, Chinese people and Trump. So we we asked about how social media has has changed your work as a journalist, but、uh, more specifically,、uh, WeChat has changed social media in China.、Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, although Weibo has,、uh, has made a comeback, I think you know it has once again become something of a public square, or perhaps always was.、Um, you know, but after the the takedown of the big Vs、mm-hmm. uh, and the, the government squeezing and clamping down essentially on on the vigorous debate that was. On, on on Weibo, it has it has come back a little bit after a period of being much、uh, less interesting. But nonetheless, I think a lot of the、uh, discussions that used to be in public on on Weibo are now、uh, in closed WeChat groups.、Uh, mm-hmm. Do you think this is the case? And if so, you know, w- w- what would you say the the effect on public debate has been in China of WeChat? It, it is. It is. I. I- I believe WeChat and Weibo are going to a different. Well, I can't speak for my company, but I can see this is going to a different way. While、um, Weibo is more like just providing news and more、uh, fast breaking news, or you know,、uh, live streaming platform, WeChat create this little kind of private group that you can have discussion there. So you know, you you can. 
um, only if you're a friend with each other, you can see each other's post, right? Um, I, I remember someone say it's kind of like a KTV kind of thing. You can be in there and with your friends and with people that, um, care about these issues and talk about it. Um, I think Chinese government prefer that better because it's easier to control what kind of information is going out there instead of putting something out on Weibo, which can be like virusly go out anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's much more easy to control. What about the reaction in Taiwan to your employment at a, you know, it's not state owned, but it's a mainland owned uh, media operation? Mm-hmm. Are, do people give you grief about working for this enemy <laughs> state? Um, well, in the beginning, when I started working for Chinese media, people, well, my friend, my college friend, will laugh at me and like, uh, "You work for the enemy. You're, uh, you're, you're only earning renminbi and traitor or something." Just making fun. <laughs> but you know what? Like, reason here more and more Taiwanese. Are working for Chinese company now, and uh, I can see like a lot of my friends, especially working in finance sector, working in Shanghai or in Hong Kong. There's less opportunity in Taiwan now, and uh, I think people are start to see that trend, and um, there is an anxiety from younger generation for sure in Taiwan about how it will. Brought us to like how we are more rely or depend on China. There's more opportunity out there, while in Taiwan, even though more people want to be independent, their own country, we're highly economically rely on the enemy across the street. <laughs> Your compatriots across the yeah. street. So I, it is an interesting sort of uh, conflict, I suppose, because mm-hmm. I mean there, there is this strengthening I, Taiwanese identity, right. where younger people just don't think of themselves as Chinese at all. They're Taiwanese, right? right. But the money's in Shanghai, right? Yeah, that 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 is a very um, interesting concept because when I think about it, from my generation, you know, like millennial in Taiwan, we start to have this whole new history book. The history book was only talk talk about Taiwan focused history. Just starting from starting yeah. from yeah, 16th centuries, and um, also our geography class, we only talk about Taiwan first. Taipei, Taichung, and the river. While when, if you ask my parents, they're learning about Changjiang, uh, Yellow River, Huanghe. Yeah, they know every railroad. They need to memorize railroad in China too, because <laughs> strategic railroad heads. Yes, come here when they take back the S- mainland. SAT. Yes, <laughs> so they need to memorize that. She can even like memorize that to me, and I found it fascinating. And I also found how education and history can change the whole generation and the whole. Wow, just in it, yeah, right overnight. Memory. And that, that actually was just only instituted when Chen Shui-bian took the presidency, right? When I was in when I was in junior high, that was Li Donghui. Oh, Li Donghui. Oh, so even before, yeah, okay, so yeah. Back so he, uh, we call it um, education reform, Jiao Gai uh, at okay. that time. So because of this Jiao Gai, it create a 
new term, a new generation called 天然独 They are naturally independent.、Right. Think Taiwan as their own country, not Chinese. So you must read a lot of the Taiwan media coverage about what's happening in in the Trump White House. How does that differ? I mean, the priorities must be very different. I mean, they they have a tremendous anxiety about you know Trump and、uh, using Taiwan as a Sort of, sort of a bargaining, a, a bargaining chip. chip, right? Right. Yes,、uh, must be much more about that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, this time in in、um, Xi Jinping and、uh, Trump's meeting, Mars Largo, a lot of Chinese reporter here didn't go because we know there's nothing to cover. But all the Taiwanese reporter, interesting, I know went there. They are there. Even even Chinese、uh, Taiwanese news outlets send reporters from Taiwan to Mars Largo because they are afraid there might be some other agreement they're going to sign between U.S. Taiwan China relation. So they were very grateful that he attacked Syria that night. So nothing could actually happen. <laughs> well, I won't call it grateful, but it's, it's a tragedy. Well, well, wonderful, Tang Jiajie. So grateful that、uh, for. I mean, I'm grateful that you could make the time to talk to us.、Yeah. Uh, best of luck in your reporting. We're really. You know, I mean, it's it's a fascinating topic. We're going to continue to watch what you're doing.、Uh, join us with a recommendation for our listeners, won't you? Yeah. Okay. So before we get to recommendations, I want to remind our listeners that the Cynic Podcast is powered by Sub China. Check out the app and subscribe to the newsletter at subchina.com. You can follow Subchina on Twitter at at Subchina News and on Facebook at facebook.com/slash/subchinanews. And if you like our podcast, by all means, leave us a positive review on the Apple iTunes Store or on Google Play or wherever it is that you go to review apps. This really helps and it means a lot to us. Onward onto recommendations, Jeremy Goldcorn. What have ye for us today? I've got two because I think the first one may have been on the show before. It's、okay. a, I was in New York last night and had、uh, a great meal from、uh, Mala Jihua, the Mala Project,、oh, right, right. Uh, which is a,、uh, a kind of new style、uh, Sichuan food, but it's proper Chinese food as Chinese people like to eat it. it Very, if you like,、uh, you know, very Wait, spicy. What's the name of the restaurant? Mala Jihua. Mala Jihua is、oh. Chinese. Mala Project in English. It's in the Lower East Side.、Um, oh, and you、It's、can、like、get it delivered, which is what、oh, I had plan, last night. <laughs> oh, you had it delivered. Yeah. <laughs> you ordered out. Oh, wow. Yeah. Was it like some guy riding on an electric scooter with a box on the back? No. no. That would be very so, authentic. No, yeah, be but I, I didn't see if he had a scooter, but he looked like he should have had a dirty Beijing electric scooter for sure.、Oh, awesome, awesome. So yeah, that's that's、uh, definitely one of my favorite restaurants in New York. York.、Um, the other recommendation I've got,、uh, which is kind of on topic, is、uh, there's a Twitter account called、uh, "Burned Your Tweet," and some very clever and very twisted fellow has uh, coded uh, a computer to、uh, basically every time Donald Trump tweets, it、um, uh, prints it out,、uh, and a robot、uh, then basically incinerates <laughs> the printed out tweet. <laughs> It's uh, along with、um, you know large doses. Of Xanax and Valium, and the Five Calls app,、um, which you can use to call up, you know, your local representative and complain. It's one of the things keeping me sane in these dark days. I've got one to, to, to keep us help you sane in these dark days too. But let's let Jane go first. Jazia, what do you have for us? Oh,、um, actually, you know,、uh, after I start covering Trump White House, well, I hope my parents didn't hear about it.、Um, I. Consume more alcohol than I should. I think they all you know, understand, especially on the weekend. I actually talked to a, a a friend who worked for a wine company, and he said the the wine demand was surging、oh, yeah. in、That's, DC area. Must be, I、yeah. bet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> so there was this bar called Showtime in DC, and uh, I, my friend, took me there when I just start covering the White House. I remember it was January, and there is a band playing every Sunday night. I believe it's seven thirty. It's called Grannies and the Boy. Granny and the Boys, right? And、um, uh, the keyboard is an eighty-four-year-old grandma. Oh wow! And、uh, her story is fascinating. So her her. Her her husband died, and she took the class in Maryland University and met this drummer who she's dating now, around sixty something. And then they joined the band, and then now they just become a regular band in Showtime right now. So if you're interested in Sunday Night Seven, what style of music is it? They play a kind of they're funk, they're indie, you know. Wow, eighty-four、like, year old indie. Yeah, <laughs> so, and they have、that. really really cheap combo. Five dollar whiskey with the beer. Oh, grinding, <laughs> rocking, and whiskey. Cash and only. That sounds good. <laughs> yeah. Is it what is it? Adams Morgan? It, no,、um, in Shao. Okay. In Shao. Okay. Yeah. We'll have to check that out. Well, I promised I would. I have a recommendation that'll also help us get through the Trump. Presidency,、uh, but I, this is probably kind of generic by now. But、um, Hulu has just launched、uh, the famous Margaret Atwood book, *The Handmaid's Tale*. Their, their television rendering of it.、Uh, it's really good. I've I've seen the first three episodes of it, and it's, I mean, it's it's extraordinary. I mean, I I read the book ages ago, and it's it's quite faithful.、Um, of course, you know they it's it's updated. There are references now to the the kind of pre Lapsarian world where you have like, you know, it, it talks about Tinder and things like that. But but and that wasn't in Margaret Atwood. But it's it's sort of an updated.、Uh, But all you know, highly. Everyone said it's a lot of cliche. How how like strangely relevant it is now. Yeah, I thought you were going to recommend some light entertainment to take our minds off the no, dark no, no, days no, no, instead no. of a documentary. <laughs> <laughs> Was that my favorite science? Is make 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 Margaret Atwood fiction again? <laughs> oh, that.、Uh, yeah.、Uh, thank you so much, Jane. It was a real pleasure to have you in. Thank、uh, you. Yeah, and、uh, we'll we'll hopefully have you back on the show again before too terribly long. Jeremy, as always, good to see you. Likewise, all right. Onwards.、Uh, the Seneca Podcast is powered by SubChina and is produced by Kaiser Guo and Jeremy Goldcorn. Thanks to Anla Cheng and Sarai Darabi from SubChina. Drop us an email at Seneca at SubChina dot com. Visit our Facebook page at Facebook dot com slash Seneca Podcast and follow us on Twitter at Seneca Podcast. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. Take care.